We are Pro Cannabis Media. I'm live now, okay? So we're back. And we'll wait for David to get his microphone on. He's, He's got, got his on microphone on. The right on. spot. Okay, fair enough. Welcome back to the, to the second hour of Cannabis Chat. I'm Jimmy Young, along with David Rabinovitz in studio. And we have two other great guests coming your way. In fact, uh, we'll be joined a little bit later in this half hour by Stu Zakem. And But right now, we have Rob Mejia. He is an uh, instructor at Stockton University and also a curriculum person who builds out online uh, courses for cannabis and it, uh, at our community harvest. Rob Mejia, good to see you and thank you again for joining us. Always a pleasure to talk to you, Jimmy, and wow, what a week. Yeah, what a week. And of course, also joining us is Bruce Barcott, the editor of Leafly and the author of Weed the People. Bruce, again, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Jimmy, good to be back with you. All right, and what a week. Five for five, guys, you know, uh, that, that's a great percentage. That'll get you in the Hall of Fame. And it sure was easier to pass uh, marijuana policy bills than it was to get a new president in place, let's just say. Uh, a lot quicker results and, uh, and obviously a, a clean sweep. Um, I'm going to go to Bruce first, Rob, if you don't mind. I want to get his, just his, his impressions on the fact that these five states all came on board for as legal adult use and there really wasn't uh, any drama. Yeah, the, the drama, if anything, was in the disparity between the polls going into the election and the actual result. I mean, you know, um, a, a, a few elections ago, a lot of us worked with the rule of thumb that you needed a good five percentage point buffer um, in polls going into an election. Like, you know, you wanted 55% support or above in order to have a chance to pass these legalization measures because the thought was a lot of people would balk at the last minute, they'd be scared of the change. Um, and that rule of thumb has kind of disappeared. I mean, we saw going in, you know, I think approval ratings in New Jersey in the maybe the mid 60s and the final result was 67% approval. Um, we saw South Dakota was like, man, that was, that was under 50% support going into the election for adult use and to come out with 53% um, voting for recreational legalization in South Dakota. That was a head spinner for me. I really, I, I really like, I expected South Dakota to pass medical, but then come up to like 48% on adult use. Um, so that was a, a real pleasant surprise uh, for me. And then, and then Mississippi uh, approving medical not just by you know seventy four percent, but but going for the actual real medical you know uh, measure and not the the kind of fake one that the the legislature tried to put up. That was that was that was a really nice uh, reassurance that voters actually read these things and and take them seriously. Absolutely, and 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 it was John Boehner, the former House Speaker's quote that I love. He goes, "When cannabis is on the ballot, it wins. Even with hyperpartisanship everywhere else, people of all stripes agree." about cannabis reform. Rob, you're in New Jersey, you're a native there now. Um, 
How, how pumped is everybody in New Jersey? We, we are. We are very excited. But at the same time, as Bruce alluded to, all the polls kept saying that we were going to be going above 60%. We had a poll from Monmouth. We had one from Stockton. I saw another one. And they all were between about, oh, 61, 62% up to 68%. I thought that might go down a little bit because the ballot measure was actually on the back of the ballot. And it was in very, very small font. So I thought a few people might miss that. Uh, in our class, we actually did an exercise where we looked at all the legislation and we went through and we made our predictions on what was going to pass. And I did predict that all, all the measures were going to pass. And I had uh, South Dakota and Montana squeaking by at like 50.2% and 50.5% respectively. But I thought we were going to run the board. Um, and I was not surprised at all that the medical uh, legislation went through so quickly. Because if you look on a national level, if you ask somebody medically, if your doctor says you should be considering cannabis, you get responses in the 80 percentile range, sometimes even 90 percent that say, sure, if my doctor says it, we should consider it and allow it. Right. And, and by the way, the pollsters have been taking a beating the whole week, let's just say, on, on, a, on a few other fronts. And speaking of that front, since you guys have been connected over the last hour, I'm not sure if anything has changed in the presidential race. I keep waiting to hear something that might change. Nothing has changed. So it feels like I'm in a suspended animation over the last three or four days. There hasn't been a lot of movement, right? No, there's been movement, but... Little. How do you how do you see what's going on with the election influencing national cannabis policy? Bruce, you go first. <laughs> oh man, uh, here's my let's let, let's say that Biden continues to to gain votes and he he wins the presidency. I if if that's the case, I'm really sincerely looking forward to putting his feet to the fire for four years on cannabis policy. This is a president you know, elect, um, if that's the case, who, you know, comes from a generation where he, he truly was one of the leading drug warriors of the 90s. We know that he's admitted that. Um, and he has, uh, you know, he has some making up to do uh, on that front. He doesn't like legalization. Um, I think he can understand it. Uh, I think Kamala Harris will help him come along on that front, um, he is, it's looking like he's going to run into a Senate still um, led by Mitch McConnell, uh, who cannot stand any sort of, anything having to do with legalization. So my, my answer to this, look, one of my answers to this is, let's legalize in Kentucky in 2022, get it right in Mitch, Mitch's backyard. That seems to change the minds yeah. of senators, you know? Sure. or. Why don't we just stop all the hemp legislation, since there's so many hemp farmers in Kentucky, and tell them until we bring both sides up to parity, the low THC and the high THC, you don't get anything. Hmm. Interesting. I thought one interesting point that one of my students made about Montana is that Montana has a very vibrant hemp industry. They actually have uh, twice as many acres of hemp uh, planted as any other state. Well. And they kind of came out of nowhere. If you looked at the stats three years ago, they weren't even on the list of the top five, six, seven, eight. And then all of a sudden, here they are producing twice as much as Colorado and uh, twice as much as Kentucky. And so one of my students said, maybe that was part of the reason or, or, or something that lends itself towards uh, getting people past a little bit of the stigma, that they know somebody who's now in the hemp industry and they know that hemp leads to CBD. I mean, that's always kind of the, 
that's that's the baby path that leads people to kind of look a little bit at acceptance. And so who knows, maybe the industry, maybe the hemp industry actually did help to kind of soften up the voters a little bit. And perhaps that could happen in Kentucky as well. And like Bruce, I am looking very forward to seeing Harris use her influence because she was the main sponsor behind the Moore Act. And um, let's see if she if she can move him along. I think she will. And definitely the Democrats will be more uh, favorable towards cannabis legislation than the uh, Republicans. You know, at, at the top of the show, we talked to Morgan Fox from the NCIA out of Washington, D.C., and we talked about that that whole premise of lobbying in Washington, D.C., in what has really been uh, a difficult time. Let's all face it, guys. And um, Bruce, you brought up the fact about the assumed president-elect Joe Biden. I think that might be a good way to look at it. The assumed president-elect at this point. I don't Candidate know. Candidate Biden. Candidate. How about we go with that? All right. All right. But, but the... They have both moved off where they were years ago. You brought up where he was in the 90s. I get it. Kamala Harris is the attorney general in California, has certainly changed her tune as well. Uh, Bruce, you understand that it's more of a civil rights issue now than a, a drug issue. Um, my, I guess where I'm going with this is the, the, the argument is becoming stronger and stronger. And how can it be aligned and tied to jobs banking, and COVID relief. To me, all this, all, everything's aligned properly, even without uh, a Democrat-controlled uh, Senate. It does still seem to me that there is ways to convince those um, congressmen and, and legislators that we can actually move forward on this because the, the whole public, the, what is it, 67, how many, 63% now favor legalization nationally, Bruce? Is that the latest one? Uh, yeah, it is. It's about 65%. And yeah. um, there is, uh, there's word that there's a, there will look, it's looking like there will be a new poll coming out on Monday with, um, with, with, with even potentially stronger results. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really exciting. I think here's, here's one thing that had led me, has led me to believe that it really, um, that, that state by state efforts help the national effort no questions asked is that I see it with my own congressman. Um, I, 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 my member of Congress here in Washington state is Derek Kilmer. And he, I sometimes I feel like he's never actually met anyone who works in the cannabis industry. I mean, I've called his office a number of times, tried to reach out to him and I'm saying, why are you not a co-sponsor of the Moore Act? Why are you not a co-sponsor of, of this bill or that bill? Like you, you may not know it, but there are, hundreds and possibly thousands of your constituents have full-time jobs in this industry. We're supporting our families with this. We're, you know, we're good law-abiding tax-paying citizens. Um, and yet I feel like you're still uh, scared by the stigma of this and it's time to get over that. And I'm one of the reasons and I'm, I'm you know, I did not donate any money to Derek Kilmer. I voted for his primary opponent this year, this spring, specifically because of this issue. And, you know, I kind of held my nose and voted for him in November because his opponent was no better. But these politicians, these members of Congress need to meet people in the industry. And it, uh, you know, these lobbying days on DC, they actually do make a difference. Rob, what's your take on where you think the uh, the national scene will go and uh, in the in the trenches in Washington, D.C.? 
Uh, would you rephrase that question? So where do you think, how do you think the sales job is going to be as we move forward to implementing what the assumed uh, nominee, president-elect, whatever we want to call Joe Biden at this point, and, and what happens over the next few months? It, how quickly can we move to their implementation of decriminalization, descheduling it, and can we continue to take the momentum of the green wave, if you will, uh, to Washington? And what, what do you think is going to happen down there? I, I think the trends will still continue that it will be largely state and region led. And so with New Jersey going, people keep talking about the domino effect. And certainly we're already seeing that. We're seeing a lot of chatter from New York that Cuomo says legislatively, let's get in there, let's get this done, let's try to do it within about a year. Uh, you see Pennsylvania doing the same thing, Connecticut. And it's because we are so interconnected. We're in the tri-state area, and right now New Jersey has a population about 9 million. Within two hours, 25 million people can get here. And so you're going to see a lot of people who will come here for legal adult use where they can't get it in their own state. That's certainly going to push the other states to go, and it will also push the whole social equity argument. You'll see a lot of jobs being created. Just today in New Jersey, they announced the head of the Cannabis Commission. And interestingly enough, uh, Phil Murphy picked Diane Hoyu. She is part of ACLU, and she has been an advocate for a long time, and she always talks about social justice. And so she said, as part of the commission in New Jersey, she's looking at what she calls twin values, equity and integrity. And she said, there's no way that we can progress without having both of those items available. And so they're looking to put in an equitable and a, uh, a program with integrity. So I think as you see New Jersey start to really embrace uh, social justice and put that in the legislation, which we fully expect to see. Well, there was some of that before, but I think we're going to see even more of that now. There's about 200 pages of legislation that is uh, waiting to be submitted, and it will be submitted as early as tomorrow, but probably next week. And I bet there'll be a lot of provisions for micro licenses, economic uh, um, in incentive areas. There may be incubation programs with the government. I am very excited to see what we'll do. That is also going to push the other states around us to do some of the same things. And as states around us get social justice right or come up with innovation like that, uh, you're going to see other states embrace it. So I, I think I'm seeing a regional sort of like a little bleed. So you start with Jersey, we'll go to the tri-state area, we'll move. You saw what happened with Illinois. So it's just going to keep spreading like that. And I think I think that will happen before any kind of total national legalization that says, uh, yeah, we can all do it. You'll still have a few holdouts, I think, in like uh, Wyoming and Idaho and places like that. that will be a little more difficult to convince. Well, yeah. another New Jersey uh, resident has just joined our little forum here on Cannabis Chat, Stuart Zakem from the uh, Bridge Strategic Group, uh, a guy who's uh, kind of uh, well-known here in the area, a, fam a, legend, a legendary family in the Boston area. I think I can say that, Stuart. Good to see you, and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jimmy, and thanks for your work on the revising Team Harmony. Yeah, um, I appreciate That should be pretty exciting. Yeah, no, um, it was. It was great. What's your impressions of what happened in New Jersey and, and where do you think and when do you think you'll see New York actually implemented through their legislature? Well, first of all, I'm thrilled. Um, I, it's probably the best news that came out of this election until we get a resolution of who's president. <laughs> um, but, you know, after a long, long fight, um, the legislative body couldn't make it happen last year. Jersey politics, more than argument about yes or no for legalization. 
and by putting it on the ballot, um, obviously they passed the buck to the to the public. And I must say, I was a little nervous uh, coming up to election day as to whether or not it would pass in spite of the polls. Plus, once again, we see how inaccurate polls are. Um, there was no very little awareness outside of the cannabis community. Um, and that's largely due. There was no money spent. On, I mean, people, a couple million dollars, but that's not real money in any kind of political campaign. And the fact that the uh, ballot initiative itself was on the back of the ballot only heightened my fears. Um, and there was a lobbying group that came up with a hashtag, hashtag turn the page, um, which hopefully was uh, effective because the vote was won by such a, a wide margin. Um, of course, like in Massachusetts, Jimmy, every town has an option to, to let uh, adult use dispensary in their town or not. Um, to what Rob was saying earlier, um, it's not going to be the kind of blackmail that's gone on in Massachusetts uh, from the towns, you know, where they're asking for uh, a lot of money in addition to all the other stuff. And additionally, our tax is going to top out at about 8%, um, that, which, great. you know, you talk about equity. Um, and I've worked with Diana for a long time. I'm, I'm thrilled at Murphy's Choice. Um, you know, I've been slugging it out here for seven years now and uh, diana was always uh in so crucial to to um the not only aclu but to the in, the idea as a whole and, and he couldn't have made a better choice um where do we go from here i i don't really you know today they were supposed to introduce a law i mean a bill on the on the floor uh, by senator scatari who's the guy who's behind the legalization initiative I think now it's going to happen on Monday for, you know, they got to decriminalize it right away. I mean, they got to tell the police stop enforcing cannabis laws because as of now, it's still illegal. And if you look at the numbers, New Jersey, you know, arrested more people than any other state uh, for cannabis. Um, so it depends on the police force, depends on the local prosecutor. But the attorney general did say to people, uh, be careful. It's not legal yet. Murphy said the same thing because some cops are still going to be, you know, exercising what they think is, is their job. And we'll still see, you know, that disparity between white and blacks, uh, incarcerated, um, you know, should they, and, but there's, I think we're in a better place than other States because of that legislative process. A lot of things that would have had been debated have already been debated. So infrastructure wise, there are things in place. And once again, having Diana put on the council, leading the council rather, is something that is a crucial element to effectively organizing how they're going to get it done. Uh, I think we're gonna see uh, Jeff Brown probably take a step back now that there is a commission. He's been, he's with the Department of Health and has basically been acting as the chair, but that won't continue, I don't think. Um, Stu, he, yeah. Stu, he's he's also appointed to the commission. He's the uh, he's oh the he was I didn't see he's the second in command behind Diane. So oh, you're gonna, I only saw the announcement so I, I, about Diane. Yeah, so I think we're going to see um, some social equity and some innovation coming from Diane, and I think we're going to see a lot of business as usual coming from Jeff Brown. And I think that's great because Jeff Brown has existing relationships, and he could help be a, a strong liaison, and Diana as well. And I think not criticizing Massachusetts again, but you know they're commission as you know jimmy has certainly not been without problems 
Well, what, some what, of you know. Can, can I follow up just on one point that's still yeah, here? You were talking about the tax rate. Yeah. And, and I do know that it's uh, admirable that New Jersey is trying to cap it at less than 9%. But we have a bigger issue. And our bigger issue is that the price of our cannabis right now is between four and $500 for an ounce. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bruce, I'm sure you're smiling because you're there in Washington. Exactly. And so <laughs> guess what? The underground market is going nowhere until we can make some sort of inroads in that, either by vastly ramping up our production or getting some sort of uh, imports from other states or perhaps yeah. other nations at some point. And then 9% becomes relevant. But you slap 9% on $500, guess what? Underground market says you, you do that all day long. Well, ideally, you know, with the passage of the law, we still have the courts tied up the awarding of medical licenses from people who got it in 2018 and 2019. So if we had, were up to full speed, as we should have been by now, prices would have gone down because of competition. Right now, all the existing dispensaries have to do is open the door, you know, and they could charge whatever they want. We're still relatively cheaper than states like Massachusetts and, and California. Uh, I mean, $60 for an eighth is, you know, kills me, but um, I'd rather spend it there than, you know, get black market weed to your earlier point. I like knowing what I'm smoking. And, and I think New Jersey, by embracing the adult use part of it, recognizes that, A, we can certainly take care of our tax revenue shortages due to the pandemic, but create an enormous amount of jobs, help people's lives, and you know, slowly eradicate that stigma as people you know, really realize the world doesn't end that way. Uh, Stu, the one the one thing that drives me crazy when people talk about uh, the income, the tax money that's going to come in and help how that will help uh, balance the budget, it certainly will go in that direction. But until we handle what the police departments are doing with their chunk of the income, which is all the training on visual identification and all the money they spend on all that enforcement, it is such a waste. There is technology out there now that is a breathalyzer that can tell whether somebody is actively high if they're driving. Is it for real? I mean, has it really been proven active? Uh, accurate? Yeah, Hound, Hound Technologies is on their uh, third round of testing. They've uh, partnered with the San Francisco Police Department. They're working with a university in San Francisco. There's also one in Canada, too. But all I'm saying is that um, I think we need to embrace more of that than to hire police to go sniff at a window and look if somebody's stumbling around and, and yeah. to spend. And you, you cannot believe how much money is spent training each police officer to do that. And that that grabs a, a good chunk of the money. Um, that should be going to other things. And, and how, but once again, you know, speaking to accuracy, um, you know, I have an incredibly high tolerance and, you know, I can smoke for hours and be fully functional um, and someone could be immobilized. So I think the issue with the DWI stuff is how they got to recognize my body's tolerance and how it uses it versus, you know, someone who gets really high. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's a little bit similar to alcohol. Certainly, we see people who have much bigger tolerances and uh, can still function versus somebody else who takes a sniff of alcohol and can't move. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, we will have to come up with standards and all that. But I think uh, I think we can do it. I think technology can eventually get to where we want to go. Well, and and, and to, you know, there has been some pushback from some of the police departments due to that issue, which is usually their fallback position um, when fighting legalization in the past or decriminalization in the past. Um, and Stuart, I want to cut said, in. I got. I got to go back to Bruce Parkhart's reaction yeah, sorry, to Bruce. the price of weed in New Jersey when he heard that. 
Are you ready yeah, to get on a plane, Bruce? Is that what you're pretty much saying? Uh, yeah, uh, a plane with a big puffy jacket. And, you know, I'm not saying I'm gonna, gonna break any laws, but one thing that is intriguing is that if we, if we do have a new, if we have a Biden administration, and let's say we still have Mitch McConnell and gridlock in the Senate, we can't get the MORE Act passed there. You know, there, there are some interesting um, things that could be tried with a Department of Justice that is op has has open ears. In other words, we you know we could have some new version of the Cole Memo, right? Um, and then we can and we can start floating ideas like potential interstate compacts. You know, this is something that I know like Steve D'Angelo and some other folks have floated earlier this year. Um, with regard to you know uh, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, that that right, that that area, right. um, and especially here on the West Coast, I mean the compa compact between Washington, Oregon, and California would really help Oregon solve its overproduction problem. I mean Oregon's still sitting on millions of pounds of extra weed, um, and that could be something that's 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 really interesting. That it is another you know uh, laboratory of democracy in the states that short of full federal legalization, if that's not possible, that could be a really interesting idea to, uh, to work with in the next year. Well, if you look at the Northeast, Bruce, that, I mean, that you could go from, what, Washington, D.C., all the way up to Maine. Yeah. And I think you're pretty much going through either a medical or an adult use state yeah. uh, all the yeah. way up. And I'd, and I'd love they, to like sample a product, uh, something from Maine, you know, I'd, I'd be really interested in what they're growing up there. It's really nice. It's really good stuff. Bruce, I can help you with that. I just want to say, okay. <laughs> so, so I've got a question for Bruce. Yeah. Uh, Bruce, let's assume that it, it, it's no longer illegal at the federal level. Some money comes into the states with, with the real big companies. Everybody thinks we've got big companies in the cannabis sector. But when you think about it, the 800-pound gorillas in the cannabis sector are really small companies when you look at corporate landscape, right? We had somebody who dropped $4 billion into a cannabis company back in August of 2018 that just set off the fire on valuations. But the party that wrote the check had $100 billion on hand. So when the really big guys come in and start paying the lobbyists, I think the interstate commerce will happen. When interstate commerce takes place, and you can take the oversupply as well as e the excess supply currently out of the West Coast and ship it east. What do you think happens to our um, our cultivation industry on the East Coast? I think you have to figure out how to support yourself as a locally locally attached brand or a, a, a craft scale brand. I mean. One of the quotes, I think in one, you know, just this is happening just on a state level. Um, we had a quote, a really nice quote from a, um, the CFO of a dispensary in Montana. And they were talking about the change that adult use is going to bring in Montana. And they said, you know, they have probably maybe five dispensaries in the state right now. Right. That's that's and that's a big company in Montana. And they said, look, it's it's the reality in our state right now. We pass adult use. You're going to either have to you're going to have to team up. You're going to have to combine forces or you're going to have to get big or figure out how to get big because the just simply the demand for product is there. You cannot deny the demand for product. And this each state, we still have some control as we do um, to a certain extent with 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 liquor 
in terms of states controlling those rules, state legislatures controlling those rules, state um, liquor and cannabis boards controlling those rules. Obviously, the state legislature can be swayed by lobbyists and a lot of campaign cash and that sort of thing. But there is still going to be at least some level of state control over over that. Um, but you're right. I mean, the farmers who can grow it cheap are going to be sending it to other states where it's really hard to, to farm. But then again, like, you don't grow corn in Arizona, you know? <laughs> right. Well, you just made the point, right? You don't grow corn in Arizona. And I don't think that long term we're going to be growing weed in the Northeast. I think it's going to come yeah. from those areas where they can grow it outside way cheaper in the open air than you can do it at $250 a square foot for a cultivation facility. Yeah. Right. And uh, I've got, hang on a second, yeah. I've got to take back control here a little bit. First of all, <laughs> I can listen to you guys talk for hours, but I love to keep this going. We have two, three more guests coming in for all the right. next 30 minutes. Some of them, you actually, I know all of you know who they are. Um, but I do want to thank uh, Stuart, Bruce, and Rob for really uh, good conversation, enlightening us a little bit about what's going on in New Jersey. And Bruce, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. So please, guys, uh, stay tuned, keep in touch, and uh, we're going to continue with our cannabis chat discussion here on election week, or is it going to be election month? It's been crazy, uh -oh. but we'll have more from cannabis chat after this. Don't go away. Media.